You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back with a smaller segment this week on um, what we may now be calling Now Playing. Now Playing. Now Playing, uh, which could be, you know, what we're sort of streaming, what we're watching, what we're playing, any of those sort of reading even. So what we've been uh, consuming, I guess. Uh, so we're just going to mention a few things for this shorter one. And I think we'll start with what we've been watching with our kids. Yeah, I realized yeah. that I had something that I wanted to say in the what I'm watching slash reading category. Yes. Do that? I actually, um, I checked out like the first two uh, preacher uh, graphic oh, yeah, novels yeah, yeah. from the library. Yeah. Um, my brother like read them when I was a kid and I like stared at it, but I never mm-hmm. really watched it as a kid because it's mm-hmm. like a little too much. Yeah. Anyway, so I watched it um, or I read the first two. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a lot of faces getting blown off, punched, <laughs> shot through, bitten off. Of just a lot yeah. of like faces being mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I um, they've got a main character, uh, whatever his name is, Jesse, and his girlfriend, Tulip, and there's a, a yeah. vampire character, Cassidy, who's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, Eli said they're making a show. I haven't seen it. Sorry, um, yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, again, like what I found most interesting about it was this um, this world in which like God has left, mm-hmm. um, you know, like in, in the beginning of the story, we or early on in the story, we get that, you know, sometime around uh, when this baby Genesis, who's the like child of an angel and a demon, devil may cry, um, is born like God like leaves and goes down to earth somewhere. Mm-hmm. Jesse's trying to find him. OK. Um, I mean, like, again, like I find that like that's a. A, a philosophical space I find compelling. Mm-hmm. You know, like w- there's a there's a, a world that doesn't have like a clear moral leader, yeah. you know, directing things. What do you do? You know, what is yeah. good? What is right? What is mm-hmm. wrong? All that stuff is really interesting. And so I find that the, in general, the the comic book explores it a little bit. There's a whole lot of other like here's sin advice. I'm gonna punch it in the face. Like <laughs> here's some other stuff. I'm gonna punch that in the face. You yeah. know, here's my childhood. I'm gonna punch my childhood in the face and yeah. bust its teeth all over the floor. Um, it has a particular style. Um, I'm interested to... I'll probably read all the way through because I want to see what happens with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, what, what keeps me going with that stuff is like these interesting questions. Yeah. I don't really mind or don't really care about like how many faces get punched in. No. Um, I don't. I, it, it could be zero. It could be a thousand. Sure. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I'm more interested in the kind of the, the style in which it like our main character interacts with and talks about the big philosophical you, questions. You talked about Sandman... I think before. Oh yeah, and it's kind of maybe not the same style of comic book, but like similar concepts of uh, kind of having real characters play these kind of more theoretical ideas. Yeah, yeah. Ideas. I mean, yeah. I mean, there. I don't think there are any faces that get punched in, in Neil Gaiman's <laughs> work. Violent, yeah. um, you know, and it, it's a DC Vertigo title. I think um, Preacher's yeah. Dark Horse. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, like I mean, you, have, you, have, you have people that like well. represent ideas, yeah. you know, and they do right. s- both like specific and symbolic actions. Personified sort of uh, yeah. ideas, and yeah. th- that I find interesting because it's a way of exploring 
um, you know, you can kind of only do it in comic books mm-hmm. where you have like someone who's literally the embodiment of the union of good and evil, you know, yeah. um, and you get to kind of see that visually. Um, yeah, I, I, I find those stories interesting because it's a way of talking about, you know, embodying philosophical ideas or big questions. Yeah. Um, that kind of leads well into uh, what I've been watching with my kids, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, had heard about um, Luc Besson's new film, Valerian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a big Luc Besson fan from Fifth Element and The Professional. Oh, Professional yeah. is one of my favorite films, oh, I think. Yeah. Uh, so he's releasing that. And I wasn't, I had heard about that this is, you know, from these French comics, graphic novels, um, these older ones. And, you know, Star Wars was somewhat inspired by those comics and things like that uh, in the style. And definitely, now that I've looked into it more, Fifth Element um, came from that as well for Luc Besson. But, I I thinking like oh maybe I can track down some of those original comics um, that'd be interesting to to look at so I found some of those got digital copies and been kind of reading through they're kind of fun that's cool um, so I, I've enjoyed the artwork and and just kind of these fun adventures and then I dug deeper and I saw something listed about a French animated show which is kind of this uh, it's I think French Japanese co-production so it's kind of anime style mm-hmm. but um, I think it was released in France um, in the mid like 2007 something around there um, and so found those uh, online was able to watch so I've been actually watching those with my three-year-old hmm. um, when we're just kind of hanging out and he doesn't really know what's going on, but uh, fun stuff. It, it's got a really bad name. It's got like Valerian and Loreline Time Jam or something because Time Jam is horrible. But time uh, jam. yeah, it's a bad name. But the episodes are pretty fun. The characters are not anything real deep, but I think it's got that swashbuckling kind of old uh, Saturday serials kind of feel that yeah. I talk about that I like with Star Wars and stuff. So, I mean, like, each episode is a little bit unique, and they go to these different planets and meet different aliens, and I like the animation style. So, I was uh, pretty happy to find that. Um, I also didn't know, I haven't watched much of this yet, but I've discovered these things that, uh, there's an old show called, uh, yeah, it's called Sherlock Hound, but it's made by uh, the Japanese animator made Spirited Away. Oh, Miyazaki. Miyazaki, yeah. So it was an old uh, Studio Ghibli um, production oh. TV show. Huh. And I think they actually showed it in England, like on the BBC or something. But it's Never like even heard of it. The, you know, Sherlock Holmes, but with animals. A dog? Yeah, he's like a dog huh. and stuff. And uh, I started watching some of it, but it's, it's pretty cool. And the animation's good quality. And it's like not really like super dumbed down for kids. Hmm. It's like kind of pretty good stories and stuff so i'm excited to watch that at some point when i get around to it with my kids as well that's cool um so i have some other things that i've been watching but did you have anything oh yeah you have something else to mention oh i just i mean watching with my kids i'm just like i'm I'm, I'm several decades behind not really but um (laughs) a friend of mine who has kids our age uh, they just uh, got and watched pacific rim and she said we like watched like five times in one day i was like i've never seen it um, so I like bought a three ninety nine copy of Pacific Rim on DVD last weekend, and nice. we had a rip roaring good time watching that with our family. Yeah, um, it was uh, entertaining from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. We talk about it like when we walk to school in the morning. They're asking <laughs> about stuff. I was happy to see Ron Perlman in there. Yeah, me too. Um, it was just um, it was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked you know the the expositional documentary style beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, there's definitely is a film where like 
the the story is held together by like people screaming things when they're running <laughs> from place to place because they gotta make time for the robot fights. Yeah, but it's just fine with me. Yeah, I mean I don't think it purports to be anything else than it is. No, no. and I we were talking about um, well we just finished our video game episode, uh, and I think. And we've also been talking about Transformers outside of yeah. the show. But I think the difference between those films and this is you can see what's happening with the robots <laughs> yeah. and things like the, that. The, the battles. I mean, it's often kind of dark and rainy, but like you can still track what's happening. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a big thing. And we were talking about video games and kind of the world building and the atmosphere of it. And I think Guillermo del Toro's yeah, one of the filmmakers that really you, you like – feel the sets and yeah, like pain's labyrinth is, yeah you, know, you just like you right. feel both the like the mm-hmm. nazi spain and then this is the fantastical world right and certainly there's a lot of cg and pacific rim but oh yeah also there's uh some physical stuff and um with the ron perlman you know yeah going inside the yeah. creatures and stuff. Yeah. I, I gotta say like my, my four-year-old son uh <laughs> still declares where's my goddamn shoe <laughs> <laughs> um, all the time, and nice. I talk about what that word means. But he, uh, he's like, that was the like That's what my kids were like the ideal audience for that film. Yeah, they were like there was just enough complexity that like my eight year old like you know like liked it, and there was enough like physical humor that my four year old um, did it. I mean, like yeah. it totally enjoyed the crap nice. of it. It's like, um, I mean, it's kind of like the perfect film for this moment in my life. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like. Uh, like like Jerry Maguire, I think is like the best date film. Like okay. it, it's just like the best possible date film hmm. ever. Okay. Because um, it's got stuff for dudes. Yeah. It's got stuff for chicks. It moves you <laughs> along. Right. Um, it's a fabulous film. Uh, Jerry Maguire, I love it. I know people make fun okay. of it all the time. I, I don't know if I totally agree, but yeah, <sighs> I can un- well, I, I, I mean, can understand why people like it so much. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's like it is. It it's a you know, like maybe like a thir- third or fourth date kind mm. of film. Mm. It's like just, I mean, back in the day when it came out, it was like yeah, a yeah. great date film. I mean. Right, right, sure. But yeah, I don't mean to like alienate the audience by talking about Jerry Maguire. By the way, the uh, comment about what your, your son's been saying about the shoe. <laughs> my wife told me, um, I was at work, but my three-year-old was taking a nap today and he wasn't falling asleep right away and she could hear him like, like whisper yelling, like, it's a trap. From like Star Wars, because like we've just been oh, joking, we've been watching yeah, Star yeah. Wars, and we have Admiral Akbar being like, "It's a trap." Yeah, just like yes. a famous quote. So yeah, uh, he was just like on repeat doing that in his bed, doing that. Um, when I just like randomly say it to them and get annoyed. Uh, so a few things I want to mention that I've been watching that are good uh, on Netflix, which they've kind of adopted. I think it's actually a British show, but they've adopted it for America. Is a show called Crazy Head. Mm-hmm. And uh, you being a Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh. fan, this I think mm. is a good new um, new replacement since we don't have any more Buffy. That it's basically two females who are kind of like chosen to be uh, sort of demon demon hunters or demon killers, and uh, so we kind of learn. So the one character, and it's interesting. One is um, one is African American or. Um, British, British American, British Black American, American or yeah, Black, Black American, yeah, and uh, and she's kind of been doing this for a little while and knows about her role in some of the world, and then we see the introduction of a um, of a young woman who is kind of becomes her partner is new to this whole thing and you know didn't know about demons and stuff like that, so only they can kind of see 
normal people that are actually demons sort of thing. So mm. you can see their faces. Um, but it's really kind of quirky and fun. It's, it's kind of a comedy, mm-hmm. um, sort of horror comedy. More in the line of like Shaun of the Dead. And it's sort of wittiness and wackiness. And it's kind of filmed, kind of wacky like Shaun of the Dead. So I enjoyed it. It's only six episodes. Really easy to watch and fun. I don't think it's getting a lot of attention on Netflix. Mm. I think it came out in the fall, somewhere mm. around there, end of the year, last year. So uh, I highly recommend that. Um, I'm kind of interested to see where it goes next uh, with that. The other film, or uh, a film that I want to talk about is uh, Night of Cups. So I probably will also talk a lot about Terrence Malick on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen Tree of Life? No. No. Okay. So, uh, do you know about it? No. Oh, okay. So this is like, that's like Terrence Malick's masterpiece. Um, came out a few years ago. And, uh, like that is pretty close to me having like a transcendent moment in films, Mm. I think is very much like sort of the big picture of like world experience and like what our us as a human species go mm. through and yeah. experience of our world and then also through the lens of like one family yeah. and kind of growing up and stuff so it kind of has both aspect but uh sort of sort of blew my mind and it has one sequence where it's just like creation of the world or something or formation of go through so it spends like 20 minutes doing that and then goes back to the story of this family Hmm. um so really fascinating anyways uh, that's not really what i'm talking about but uh i think since that film terrence malick has moved more towards like personal films and he doesn't really do interviews or anything anything public but from what people know about him the terrence malick the family story was very personal it was about like the loss of a a sibling um, when they were young, and that that happened to uh, Mr. Malik mm-hmm. um, when he was a child. Um, and so I think his next film was To the Wonder uh, with Ben Affleck, where he hardly talks, <laughs> which is kind of a good thing. Um, but I think with that film, he started to feel it's probably my least favorite Terrence Malik, and started to feel like a little bit of a parody of himself. Hmm. Um, I mean, certainly he works with uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, which I think is probably about the greatest cinematographer working right now. Mm -hmm. He won three Academy Awards in a row, three years in a row for cinematography. Um, Some of those for Terrence Malick. Uh, So he also made uh, Night of Cups and same cinematographer. So I think it's it's very much in the same feel and it's got some probably autobiographical elements still deals with sort of like... um, men in a family like tree of life did and things like that but i i'd heard not great things i think people are kind of wearing on his style or like the Mm -hmm. same themes yeah and so i was kind of putting off watching it's on amazon prime right now um but finally watched it and it is it is really beautiful i think Mm -hmm. it's better than to the wonder Mm -hmm. um it's based off of knight of cups is a, a tarot card yeah yeah um and so it's Christian Bale is this uh, Hollywood screenwriter, which we hardly see him do any screenwriting or any of that in the film, but apparently that's what he does. Yeah. Um, it's mostly him frolicking with all of the beautiful women in his life, uh, different things, but it's kind of about his uh, somewhat journey of kind of being filled with these worldly sort of pleasurable things and then mm. trying to move towards something that might be his kind of search for meaning in life mm. um, in doing that. But like going from 
you know, through the progression of his films, like I would say Knight of Cups has virtually like hardly any diegetic like dialogue moments. Like hmm. you don't hardly see people like talking to each other mm-hmm. in the moment. It's almost all like voiceover and people kind of like ruminating on, you know, thinking like you don't know if this is really something they said right, or is or in their someone head. They thought of, yeah. Um, which is really fascinating to me. So, and it's just these different moments. It is split up into these different sort of chapters based on different tarot cards, like uh, death, the moon, the hangman, and things like that. So I. I mean, certainly you can enjoy it on the level of, I think his films are an experience that you just kind of have to let kind of wash over you mm-hmm. and not try to look for, oh, what? why did he do that next? You know, this linear story. And this is definitely one of his least linear um, of the stories. You don't know really what order his relationships came in. He, he at one point, talk, it's like about with his ex-wife and things like that. Um, but uh, really fascinating. Kate Blanchett is in it. Natalie Portman, um, Frida Pinto, I think, who's in Slumdog Millionaire. Mm-hmm. So um, some great actresses as well. And I think that's, that's some of the. I, I maybe have mentioned this before. Like some of the criticism I would have is like this beautiful, you know, Christian Bale, this good-looking guy in Hollywood, and he's just like going to Hollywood parties and hanging out with these beautiful women and laying around in hotel, beautiful hotel rooms. And it's like, this is not really the experience of most people. And why are you so depressed about your life? (laughs) But like, I think it's about commentary on that whole thing. And I've, and so I, I wasn't sure how deep this film was going as I'm watching it, but the more after I finished it and I've been reading up more on it and kind of thinking more about those different kind of chapter headings and there's like points where he just throughout the film he like looks up when he's outside and there's like helicopters flying over and so i think it has to do with you know uh kind of something else divine sort of like hovering over us Mm. and kind of watching over us and things like that um i mean that's my sort of interpretation of this but i think it it yields a lot more than maybe people are getting a credit for Mm -hmm. um and talking about so I, I found people saying interesting things about it and critics but I don't think people paid as much attention hmm. now he's already releasing his next film um, hmm. this month uh, song to song I think it's called and it's about the Austin music scene and so I think it's at like the South by Southwest like music festival and stuff Christian Bale and Natalie Portman I think are in it again mm-hmm. um, but that looks more story driven and I think might be a little bit looser um, mm-hmm. than this film, which I think might be a good change for him. Uh, I'm hoping. I haven't heard reviews yet. but uh, So, anyways, Knight of Cups, really interesting. I still recommend people see it. See it on the biggest screen as you can, if possible. Because um, it's pretty. It's pretty. Like, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. I can't say much about enough about that cinematographer. Like, mm. uh, I mean, Terrence Malick is also interesting in that he... There was an article written when this film came out that uh, I think there was a smaller actor community. I'll have to look up who he was, but he uh, recounted his experience of spending one day uh, called to the set. And it was sort of this like low key kind of party in this house. And they, he just kind of came and there was no script and they were just like, I don't go interact with people. And sometimes the camera will be by and see you and things like that. And so he had very little instruction. Um, Famously, like, big actors 
like uh, Adrian Brody or Adrian, um, oh, what is his name? Not Adrian Brody, um, who's in the the Pianist. Do you know that film? Uh, yeah, I can't think yeah. of his name though because yeah. I keep thinking it's Adrian of it. something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he thought he was going to be one of the major stars of uh, the Thin Red Line and hmm. got completely cut out of the film. Like, didn't know that while he was making or anything afterwards. The film came out, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm not in it. So, uh, you know, this this actor that was in Night of Cups didn't know how much he was going to end up being in it and things. Um, so I, I appreciate that sort of uh, interest in that kind of style. And you can definitely see it in the film. I think he's going for a realism and things mm. like that interact. But you, you get the feel that there's bigger story going on that we don't really get. Yeah. But you know that um, it feels like you're watching a life being lived. Um, so yeah, that's probably enough about that, but I may, I'll probably make you guys watch like the tree of life or something. Cause All right. I, I, it's interesting to discuss. Cool. Anything else for you? Nope. Okay. Great. Thanks for, uh, listening to this little, uh, little mini episode of Now Playing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks.